everyone. Welcome to the Work Friends Podcast, where we bring meaningful conversations to you. I'm Jen Brubaker, and I'm here with my co-host, work and real friend, Ainsley Stanley. This season, we're chatting with people from different walks of life to hear their stories and how God has been faithful throughout. So kick back and relax, go on a walk because it is spring. Do whatever you need to do and enjoy today's episode. Today on the podcast, we're chatting with Jason Dunn, who is the worship director at Pathway Church in Peterborough, and you might recognize him from his days being lead singer and founder from Hawk Nelson. He has an incredible journey with God and wrestling with faith, and we are pumped for you to hear it. So enjoy. Here's your official welcome to Work Friends. Thank you so much for joining us. Happy to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. I have yeah. to say, before we jump in, And Tim is like, oh, I just know like the founder of Tim Hawkins and like, or Tim Hawkins. Tim Hawkins is a comedian. (laughs) I did not find Tim Hawkins. Hawkins. Oh my gosh. I've never done that before. Hawk Nelson. It was kind of like, I grew up in growing up basically singing hymns or every once in a while jamming to the one of 10 well worship CDs. Yes. And so I was invited one time to um, my friend's junior youth retreat when I was like 12 and they jammed to Hawk Nelson, Reliant K, uh, TFK, like all these things. And so when I hear your music again, honestly, it brings me back to that time when like God was doing huge things in my life. And so thank you for like oh, ministering to 12 great. year old Jen back then. That's great to hear that. It's so funny, isn't it? Like, even with me, I hear certain like things from like well, way back when I'm like, oh yeah, that takes me back to like to like high school. You're like, those are some there were some like really like important times I think in everyone's lives. So mm. it's it's fantastic that I got to have that kind of uh, impression on people. So it's awesome. Mm. Kind of like a full circle moment. Absolutely, <laughs> got that right. Yeah. Yes, yes. And we both worked at camp. So you know that we've listened to Hawk Nelson because it's on the list of approved CDs, right? Yes. <laughs> um, so when we have guests that uh, either our viewers don't or our listeners don't know as much or we don't know as much, we like to do rapid fire fast facts. So just to kind of get to know a bunch of things about you. It's a little overwhelming. So I'll just ask you some questions and you can answer a gut reaction. So where did you grow up? I grew up in Peterborough, Ontario. Nice. How do you take your coffee? In a cup. <laughs> I've switched it recently. I'm, I'm more of a three cream, two sweetener. Wow. Wow. I will not judge you with my black coffee in hand. <laughs> I uh what's your biggest pet peeve uh litter bugs wow okay okay what is your go-to karaoke song um i'm gonna say i won't back down by tom petty that's a good one what's your favorite genre of music oh pop punk for sure surprise um (laughs) uh where's the best place that you've been uh, I'm going to say Gold Coast, Australia. Ooh, cool. Haven't been to Australia yet. Hopefully someday. Um, how many kids do you have? Uh, three. Three. <laughs> to count there. Uh, what's the coolest thing you've ever done or one of? Uh, 
I'm going to say I jumped out of an airplane. That was pretty uh, cool. Decent. Decent. Yeah. Uh, do you prefer waffles or pancakes? Waffles. Waffles. Me too. Yeah. Me too. What is your favorite meal? I like to keep it simple. I think I'll just go with a pizza. Nice. Nice. How do you take your pizza? Uh, I'm a bacon and black olives guy. Nice. And if I have the choice, I'll go with stuffed crust 10 times out of 10. I've only had Stop stuffed available. crust once. I guess I haven't oh, it, discovered it. It'll anything. change your life. It, <laughs> oh, yeah. Crust is so boring as a kid. If you if you just throw melted cheese in there, game changer. <laughs> uh, so you work at a church. If you weren't at this church, what would you be doing? Uh, that is a scary thought. I, I feel like I would be trying to make music some way, somehow, somewhere. Um, but I guess being a dad and a husband, I feel like the first priority now is just providing for my family. So I do whatever I had to do, but because I get to make music still, it's uh, definitely a win. Is there anything else that people that you would like people to know that like basically covers everything, but I mean, <laughs> if there's we anything else already, we just got here. I know. I know. <laughs> uh... I don't know. I mean, I have a cat that's here right now that I'm not a, I'm not a fan of. That's she's just laying here. Minds her own business. Been up all night causing ruckus in the streets. I don't know. That's all I got. <laughs> that's good. That's good. Well, we'll obviously dive into more of your story as we go on. But um, let's start from the beginning. What was growing up like for you? Um, well, as I mentioned earlier, I grew up in Peterborough. Which, where are you guys right now? I'm currently in Elmira, which is like 20 minutes, so it's 20, um, 15 minutes from Waterloo. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so I'm about three, three and a half hours east of you guys in north. Um, so that's where I grew up. Uh, I grew up with five siblings, four brothers, and one sister that was stuck in the middle. Um, and yeah, we were just, you know, my dad worked. My mom stayed at home, looked after us. Uh, my dad was a worship leader in our church. Um, it wasn't his job, but he did it pretty much every week um, on a volunteer basis. And um, that's kind of where I got my desire to learn how to play the guitar. My dad taught me. Um, when I was four, I learned how to play the piano. I wanted to learn how to play the violin because I remember this girl in my class was taking violin lessons in school. And I was like, that looks really fun. I wanted to learn how to do it. My mom said it would sound like I was killing a cat, so they wanted to put me in piano. As I'm older, I started thinking, how did my mom know what killing a cat sounded like? <laughs> now it's all starting to make sense. Mm. Uh, but anyways, they put me in piano lessons, and um, that kind of began my musical journey. And um, as I said, I grew up with four brothers and a sister. I was the second oldest, but all my brothers would gang up on me because... I come from like an athletic family, but I'm like the least athletic in my family. I still like playing hockey and stuff, but like, I've never been like amazing at like all my family members are. So I would always get made fun of hard because I played piano and that was fine until I was like 10. And when you're 10, all my brothers and their buddies would all make fun of me because I played the piano. So I upgraded and asked my dad to teach me how to play the guitar. And then I was, I went from being a nerd to super cool. <laughs> Really my goal as a 10 year old and uh yeah honestly i just started playing and um 
one of my friend's brothers, older brothers was learning to play the guitar and he was playing the song When I Come Around by Green Day. And I was watching it and I was like, I think I could figure out how to do that. And I just kind of just played by ear and just learned how to figure stuff out from that point. And uh, I've been writing music that sounds exactly like Green Day ever since. So <laughs> flash, fast forward to, I don't know, 20 years later or 25 years later, here I am. And uh, now my son, Ryan, is going to be four and he's already becoming me and I feel so bad for him. But it's, <laughs> it's, it's really cool to see him uh, following my footsteps. So it's cool. So uh, kind of back in that time when you were growing up, when you, you thought about what you wanted to do when you grow up or you thought about what life would look like when you're older, what did you think that that was going to look like? You know what, for the longest time I promoted to never have a plan B. I was like, I knew from the time I was 12 years old that I was going to do music and I was going to play in a band. And um, it's kind of a funny story, but like in my last year of high school, I don't know, I'm sure you guys did this too. When uh, you're about to leave, they your teacher gets you all together and you can look at the different colleges you can think about going to. So like you got basically a few days off school to go to the, these exhibits of what schools were showcasing their, their classes and the things you want to go on to do. And all my friends were going and I'm like, yeah, I'll just go. And I just went to basically get two or three days off of school. And uh, I already knew what I was going to do. So I didn't care about colleges I was going to attend. I even got a couple brochures from uh, Fanshawe College because I was going to go into recording and production, even though I knew that I wasn't going to do that. But I also, my parents were like, what are you going to do? You need to, you need to get ready to go to college and all that. And I'm like, oh yeah, I'll probably do culinary. You know, I was just trying to make up stuff to keep them off my back. Even though I always knew I was going to be in a band. I had no other plan. And uh, thankfully I did that. Uh, as you all know, I started the band Hawk Nelson. Uh, I was about 17 when that band came in to be. And uh, yeah, we played from the time I was 17 till, geez, I was, 29 or 30 almost and uh yeah i just yeah there's a whole lot of ups and downs along that journey which i'm sure we'll dive into but um i never had a plan b and then i'm kind of kicking myself well now i'm not but that little that little gap between 30 and 35 i was like oh now what do i do i was kind of like panicked but i for what it's worth i really am happy i stuck with my dreams and followed my heart and uh i would never have done it any other way No regrets, guys. No regrets. <laughs> I said it because I have a job now. But yeah, if, if I didn't have a job, I'd be like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> That's funny. Like my YouTube page. I don't know. Like <laughs> <laughs> and subscribe. Yeah, click that like button. Yeah, what we thought our life would look like is sometimes maybe more often not how <laughs> things yeah. turn out, right? Um, but talking about Hawk Nelson, tell us the story of how that came to be and during that season of your life, what your faith was like. <clears throat> yeah, so um, as I mentioned, my dad was a worship leader in our church. So we we grew up um, in a very like pretty strict Christian home. Um, it was, I always might say that it was, we were in church eight days a week. You know, my parents, my parents became Christians when I was about four or five years old. And um, I don't really remember much before then, but you know, my parents had a rough, a rocky start to their marriage. Um, but they got radically saved. And, um, so they became like these righteous zealots, which ultimately led us to being in church eight days a week. You know, all of our friends were in the church. So my best friends were like the pastor's kids. 
So when we weren't at home where my parents are doing like home groups in our house, or I would, I'd be at my friend's house at his parents' house who were pastors. So, and they were always having church meetings at their house. So we literally were raised in the church and um, that's how it was. And um, Hawk Nelson started, you know, as I mentioned, I was always playing music, just kind of playing around and starting bands with all my buddies and nothing ever serious, but I always knew, there was always potential and at least we always thought there's potential, you know, and um, as time progressed, we started getting some notoriety in our hometown and started doing youth group shows outside of our hometown of Peterborough and started stretching even like Kitchener, Waterloo, we went east to Ottawa and even went even to Quebec for a good bit of shows. And um, yeah, we just started really getting some, some popularity and, um, as you start getting more and more serious, especially in high school, the band started like fizzling out because guys want to go to college for real, you know? So even though I wasn't going to go to college, I knew what I wanted to do. The band just started like, well, I'm going to go to college. I'm like, yeah, but what about the band, you know? So anyways, long story short, some other bands that we played around the Ontario circuit with, um, a couple of guys from there and here and there, we kind of mashed our bands together, thus creating Hawk Nelson, which was a band name I created. Um, actually, I created it for a video game character when I was like 14. And we ended up using that name to start the band. Um, so yeah, we just kind of started playing. And then um, there's a band also from our hometown called Thousand Foot Crutch, whom I know you're familiar with. Um, we, uh, we, were very we were very close. We grew up in the same school and same church. And um, Trev, who is the front man and I just remember um he was like we had a gig and they had a gig in Indiana somewhere and they're like we can't do it I dropped your guy's name and threw it into the bucket do you guys want would you be willing to go drive down there and play this show it's like an 11 hour drive but I think it'd be good for you guys we're like absolutely so we drove down didn't know where we were going we just kind of had it was like back in google maps days we printed off the sheet and like oh left on this highway and Luckily we all had passports and showed up and played this show. And we had this idea that it was going to be like this, like we heard all these bands that we, you know, we admired growing up. Uh, I forget who was all on the bill, but it was massive. And, or we were told it was going to be massive. Like, I forget who's all on the bill, but anyways, um, we showed up and there was like 13 people at the show. <laughs> and it was just like, all right. So this is what this is all about. So uh, that's where the grind began we played and we played our hearts out and and let it rip but that um that show sparked another show in the u.s and then it just it just kind of snowballed and then tours came and then we ended up signing a record deal with tooth and nail records um which was a huge dream for us because one of my favorite bands growing up was mxpx and they were a tooth and nail band and tooth and nail was like the the harder christian label so like all those bands like we loved and um so to be able to say that we signed to, a, you know, it was like a dream come true for me and, and the guys. And uh, yeah, the, the slow start kind of grew bigger and bigger and bigger. And we started jumping on some bigger tours. Uh, our first real tour was with TFK and FM Static back in the day. And that was all across Canada. And it was amazing. And uh, that was that was really the beginning. And uh, we kind of after that tour we'd come home for a few weeks and then we're like oh another tour and then we just do all these random shows till the time where we couldn't go back home anymore we couldn't afford to 
go home. We were just always on the road, living in a park or living in hotels and crashing on people's couches. And that's how we got our start. We did that for so long. And uh, yeah, that we, we made a career out of it. And that was, like I said, almost 10 years. Wow. That like thinking about like, I mean, you see movies and you guys were in a movie, right? We were, yeah. It's, it's, it's nuts to think about. Like, yeah. Like you kind of see like, I don't know, like movies or whatever, where that's like, that's the life that you see, right? Or hearing art, different artists talk about life on the, on a tour bus or whatever, but yeah. That's crazy. So what were, what were some highlights from that time, from that season of life for you? Well, yeah, I think you nailed it. Being in a movie, like it's just, you, you don't ever expect, I mean, you dream of that kind of stuff, but you don't expect it to really happen. But when it does happen, you're like, holy smokes. Like we were just in a movie with Dennis Quaid and Renee Russo. Like, are you kidding me? But yeah, but, but the thing is we were never known as like this amazing band. You know what I mean? We were just four kids from Canada that like, we would do anything we could just to get a gig. And I remember we got a call to do this showcase in Nashville, Tennessee. And we were all at home here and uh, we're like, okay, another, we were always, it seemed like we were always driving like crazy amount of hours to do like these crappy shows. And uh, <laughs> we did, we got in our van and just drove all the way down to Nashville. And we were almost late for this showcase. And we showed up, played it for these we didn't even know what it really was. We knew it was a showcase for something. And uh, we just knew these big music executives from like different places. We're going to be there checking all these bands out and we're loading in our gear. Hey, what's up? You know, we weren't networkers per se, but we're just, we're just friendly, happy go lucky guys that were just like so honored to be able to be a part of something that was cool. You're like, we're seeing these bands and they're like sound checking. We're like, these guys are unbelievable. Like we, we don't stand a chance in this showcase, you know, we come to find that this band was actually um, Keith Urban's band. And they had like this little side thing that they did. They wrote these songs. We were playing them for this showcase. And we're like, <laughs> we don't stand a chance, but anyways, we played or all these bands are playing and we're like the only ones still watching. We're like, these guys are all incredible. And these guys would play and then they pack up their gear and they just leave. We're like, you don't realize this whole this whole like room is catered there's like free food here guys like we just stuck around and like ate all the food and like you know it was sweet there's a pool table so we just we made a night of it i mean we just drove 17 hours we're getting our money's worth you know and uh that's how that's how that kind of thing came because like of all the i, I forget how many acts there were 12 or 13 acts we were the only ones that stuck around and again we weren't networking we were just chatting it up with these guys didn't even know who we were talking to but i'll never forget this guy we were talking to his name was greg sills and uh we didn't know at the time but we found out he was a music director for nbc and again it wasn't because we were an amazing band but we were friendly and we were courteous and we were self-deprecating we made fun of ourselves and he thought that was endearing and cute and funny and uh he's like would you guys ever want to be on a tv show we're like no, nah, that's cool, man. I'm like, of course we want to be on a TV show. What do we got to do? Tell them where to sign. So there was a show called NBC and or a show called American Dreams. And it was on NBC. And basically it was a remake of American Bandstand with Dick Clark. And uh, we got to portray the who. And we learned the song. And then we flew to California for the first time in our lives and filmed this TV show. And again, that snowballed into American Dreams or sorry, into Yours, Mine and Ours. And all these little connections made way 
not because of we were not because of our talent just we were just normal kids that just had an appreciation for life and for people and that goes a long way and i've never ever forgotten that and uh yeah it it paid off you know and yeah like i said that started um yours mine and ours and uh that really got us on our way Mm -hmm. tell us about your faith journey throughout that season of your life with traveling around doing these crazy opportunities um yeah what was your faith journey like through that time because I know that there was a lot of ups and and there was um quite a few downs as well yeah so growing up in the church we uh we were like the youth band you know we always we always led worship on a Friday night with our we were the youth band and so I remember our our youth pastor Rick like he was like hey you know before before uh youth group starts at seven why don't you guys come and come in early and why don't you just do some of your originals for 30 minutes before everyone goes and then we'll open up the doors and then we'll, we'll start at seven but you guys can play your own stuff for 30 minutes if you want and afterwards we could play and we were like oh that's sweet so we kind of had this weird like uh we were the worship band but we didn't want to be the worship band we want to be a rock band like a punk rock band you know and we had this it was just weird like oh, everyone's just gonna we get invited like all these youth groups would invite us out and we we're like sweet They're like no no we want you guys just to do worship we're like yeah but could we do our own stuff They're like mm, okay you can do one or two but then you know we really want you to be a worship band and that it just really stuck with us. We're like well so when we started hawk nelson we made it we made it our plan we're like, okay we're not going to be the youth band we're going to be we're going to be a punk rock band that's that's what we're going to be and we made that decision very young when we were like 17 and so we just kind of cut ties with youth group altogether and just, and not because of anything, but we just wanted to make sure we didn't get people confused. Like, this is who we are. This is what we do. If you like us, you're going to like us for this, you know, and that was our plan. And so that we were on our way with that kind of stuff. Um, and even though our hearts never changed, you know, we made a, we made like a mission statement. We were 17. We didn't know what we were doing, but we made our mission statement was to make sure we treat our fans like they're our own family and we'll just love on people. That's what we need to do. And uh, coming full circle. And that's what a great, <laughs> even though we were kids, but that's, that's such a great approach to life. Not even just as a band, just as a human beings, just to treat people like they're your own family. And I, I try to live by that motto to this day. But um, as you start playing and you start, you know, we were we were hired as a band to entertain kids. Excuse me. And uh, that's what we did. Even though our faith was still our faith, there was this other side where it's like, well, we need to be entertaining and fun. And, you know, that's who we are. We're performers right now. There becomes this, there's this divide where you're suddenly even though your your heart's in the right place where you're wanting to tell people about christ and do this there's still this this act to it where you need to keep your act up to make sure you can continue to get work so you've got to be fun and energetic but there's not there's some days where you don't feel fun and energetic especially if you're driving 17 18 hours to play a show for 20 kids it's hard to keep that smile on your face when you're kind of bummed where let where this show before you played a show for like there's 3000 kids at that youth conference. That was incredible. Okay. we got to drive 16 hours to get to Oklahoma to play for, Oh, a youth group of 20 kids. You're like, you kind of lose that, that the go for it factor kind of disappears when you see that you feel the goodness of that awesome 3000 crowd people to 30 people. You're like, we want to be over there. Well, we need to be more, 
maybe if we be more preachy and you know energetic we might be able to get more gigs like that so you're even though it's not fake you still are trying to act a certain way to get that audience does that make sense and eventually it becomes all it's for me anyways it became all of an act it, the the uh the realness and authenticity wore off and that really started to drag me down and that and that didn't happen overnight that happened over a course of five or six years and then by that time you say the right things at the right moment knowing if you say this people are going to come to your merch table and it, it ate me alive and i just kept getting this idea i'm like this is what jesus was this is what they're talking about in the Bible. And Jesus walked into like the temple and was flipping tables over saying, you've turned my house into a den of thieves. I was like, I feel like this is what he's talking about. We're, we're playing this game to get this success so we can continue to work. And that's, that is a very, very fine line that I would never want to cross again. And eventually I just burned out and I ended up just falling off the grid. And I started becoming super cynical towards everything uh, everything involved with the church, everything involved with the Christian music industry. And I just, I was totally done with it. And I just ended up, I don't know. I just, I really, I, I, I fell pretty fast, pretty quick. Um, and uh, it's something I don't pride myself in. Um, but coming full circle and looking back, I'm like, I get it now. But when you're in the moment, you don't see it happening. And it's, that's, that's sad. And I'm also not alone in that, you know what I mean? Yeah, I can imagine that that would be difficult because in some ways, right, like you were in in a sense practically being paid for performance, right? Like it wasn't, you know, like it's not like you were doing what you weren't supposed to be doing or something like that, but there's this weird blurred line that comes somewhere along the way. Yeah, and that can be. Yeah, and I, think, I think looking back, having, having people or having more people, I'm not going to say I didn't have people, but having more people that you could stay accountable to I think that would have that would have changed everything and yeah i um i'm i'm very thankful the people that were involved and invested in our in our lives and and in our careers but eventually that wears off right and yeah if i could have changed anything that would have been something as an adult looking back i'm like i wish i wish i kept up with people to be more accountable but here I am. <laughs> so I, God has a plan. And you know what, that, and I don't say that to be a cliche statement. God, God knows our, our plan and our path. And he's, he's, he's directing every step of the way. And even though he sees what's going to happen, he's like, he's always, he's always there, you know, and he's got our backs. And for that, I am truly thankful. Yeah. Wow. Um, I mean, you talk about some pretty intense moments. I mean, sitting in a place where you're like, man, I, I am with Jesus in the temple and he's flipping over the tables. Like that's a pretty intense moment to get to. And I know you kind of had some, you know, crisis of faith in a sense and, you know, really cynical of the church and stuff. Um, do you feel like you had a moment or a time in life where you kind of just felt like you'd hit rock bottom? Um, well, again, it was one of those, uh, it didn't happen like that. It was like a slow decline that rapidly sped up. And uh, yeah, as I mentioned, growing up in a Christian family, like we were proper, like, you know, like I didn't drink alcohol and I, we didn't, we didn't, you know, I, I still, I joke about it now, but like, 
all my friends in like school were talking when Mighty Ducks came out. That was like the big movie. And all my friends were watching it. And we'd go to Blockbuster and we'd rent a movie as a family every Friday night or whatever it was. And we're like, oh, mom, could we rent Mighty Ducks? It's a hockey movie. It'd be awesome. And the very first scene in the movie is the coach drinking and driving. And I'm like, nope, turn this off. We're like, no, mom, mom, we'll just fast forward. And like, nope, we're not watching this. Like, we couldn't watch anything. Like, we were super, like, strict family. So, like, nothing like that would have ever crossed our minds. And uh, I remember I was 19 and I had a beer for the first time. I was 19 years old. And uh, I don't know what it was, but it it's that's just the very beginning, I think, for me. And I'm not saying alcohol is, like, terrible. It's just, but my dad said it very clearly um, as I was going through an alcohol phase in my life and it, it was literally destroying, it destroyed my marriage. It destroyed my life. It destroyed my career ultimately. Um, and my dad said early on, he's like, alcohol is not safe. It's, uh, well, the way he said it was, duns are not good with alcohol. And I was like, okay, my dad, whatever. And my dad's not a super uh, open person. Um, but as, as I mentioned early on, like they had a really rough upbringing at the start to their marriage. In fact, my parents don't have proof of their marriage because their marriage license or marriage certificate is actually my mom burnt it during a fight. The only wedding photos I've seen of my parents were at my grandparents' house because she burned every one of them. So, and that was because of alcohol in my in my parents' life. And um, excuse me, when my parents got radically saved, their lives were completely changed. Uh, my dad quit drugs. He quit alcohol and full circle or full 180 his life and my parents lives were fully transformed and uh, a transformation happened in my parents life and it happened in my life and we can talk about that too but um they didn't really tell me into this I just kind of you know you get it out of them over the years you know what I mean and so my dad just said you know the duns and alcohol that's a bad combination kind of thing and he didn't really say why or how and just kind of laughed at that and as I got older I'm like okay, this is probably what he's talking about. Um, moving forward as my career took off and, and we'd, we'd become quite successful, you know, we were making quite a lot of money to do what we love to do. And when you do what you love to do and you're, and you're getting good at it, but you're also making a lot of money at it, uh, it's, it can get a hold of you pretty quick and you kind of lose sense of why you do what you do. And you suddenly becomes like, well, it's just another gig. And you're like, well, this is going to be worth it. And I can do this with my life and I can do this. I can plan for the future and whatever. Um, I married very young to a girl um, and uh, it, it didn't last very long, obviously, but um, it seemed right at the time. But at the same time in my life, it was all about success. And it, all I cared about was building, building my brand and building our brand as Hawk Nelson. And things seemed to be going really, really well. But then suddenly, once I got married, it was like something inside of me changed. Like, I think deep down in my life, um, going back to being 17, we were told at school to write out a list, a bucket list of things you want to accomplish in your life. And of course, as a 17 year old, all I cared about was music and what I wanted to do. And all these things I, I wrote on my bucket list, I was able to cross off as, you know, as a guy in my 20s because all those things I was achieving because I'd, I'd written them down. And I think bucket lists are super important. However, on the bottom of my bucket list, things were like, I'd love to, I'd love to get married and I'd love to have a family. And so once I got married, I was like, suddenly I was like, 
maybe I could move on. I'm ready to move on to that next phase of my life. I'd love to be a dad. Like that'd be such a cool thing and have kids of my own and start a family. Like that'd be, that'd be really cool. I could continue this bucket list I created. Uh, so anyways, our, our, our ideas, my, my ex-wife and I, our, our ideas and aspirations didn't quite line up. Um, she was a, she was a, um, what do you call it? A, a host for M she worked for MTV and had a show on MTV and that's how we'd kind of got to know each other. And uh, yeah, her career was really starting to take off and mine was really starting to take off. So we weren't, we weren't really married to each other. We, again, I can say this all in hindsight because it all makes sense looking back. We were married to our careers, but marrying each other was kind of a power boost to our, both of our careers. And so that's exactly what it was. And, but there was, there's nothing, there's no stamina or stability to our relationship. So needless to say that marriage fizzled out. And uh, the fact that I had, had kind of stopped drinking from one beer a day to suddenly it moved again, this didn't happen overnight, but this was one beer a day to suddenly a six pack of beer a night to 12 beers a night to a bottle of whiskey and six beers a night to suddenly it's six in the morning and I'm still awake drinking and going to sleep, waking up at two in the afternoon, walking into soundcheck with my sunglasses on to fight a hangover. Uh, that became the norm. And <laughs> believe me, that is not the norm. That is not normal. And uh, again, you don't think about it at the time. You're just, that's, you just get used to it. And I was not, not, a, not a smart move on my part. Again, looking back on that and getting the help I needed to see that it's, yeah, it, that was a really rough, um, that was a really rough year. And uh, I guess that's probably an answer to the, your earlier questions. Like, when did I realize I hit rock bottom? I don't even think I knew it then till um, one night I was, I was off tour and we were, I was home for Christmas and I had a drunken fight with my wife. And uh, that's when the truth started coming out in our relationship. And when you say hurtful things, whether you're drunk or not, those are going to resurface the next day or the next week. And um, so some things were said on both parts and we had to address the situation like a, a couple of days later. Like, so we need to talk about what was said um, and thus began the downfall of my marriage. Um, and again, I don't have any regrets. And as weird as this sounds like, God has a plan. And uh, I'm not saying God made me do all those things, but I just, God was in it all along. And even though I didn't think he was even there or did I even, I think there's even times in my life where I doubted his even existence. Um, I was crushed and I was like, this is not what I picture my life being. Um, I'd quit Hawk Nelson at this time because um, I had already questioned our, not our belief, but our, our why we do what we do. It used to be about loving people and treating them like our family. And, but we honestly, we couldn't go out to McDonald's with a bunch of kids after a show anymore because we were too successful. We were too popular. It, it, it just wouldn't have worked. You know what I mean? So we weren't able to just hang out with kids. Now it was like, you'd hang out with them for 20 minutes at a meet and greet at our merch table. And then it was like, oh, we, we can't sign these. You have to buy a shirt if you want our autograph. If you want a picture, sorry, you got to buy a CD. Like 
that that's not what we were about when we were kids. So I just, I just had a really hard time with that. And then one of our, um, one of our agents pulled me aside and was like, if you want to be more successful, you need to write more songs about God. And the more times you drop Jesus in a song, the more money you're going to make. And that's when, that was when I kind of like, you know what? I think, I think this is a good time for me to maybe finish up here. I don't, I, we were in, we were in negotiations for a new contract and I'm sure it would have been a very good one, but I, I just kind of washed my hands of that and just walked away. And um, that was a really, really, really hard thing for me to do that. I put my entire life into that, my entire childhood, every dream aspiration I had was to make this band successful. And I had done that and not by myself, obviously, but I do feel like I played a really important role in that, but it just, that really, it really it just didn't sit well with me. And so I walked away and uh, they kept going, which was a super, it, that kind of hurt me a lot because of like, I created the band. I made up the name. I, I, I asked those guys to be in this band with me and every one of us, we did it. And then I left and being, being that, that normal kid, like I wasn't, I'm not a super like confrontational person. I don't know if you know that about him. I'm a super easy going guy. Like, yeah, whatever, you know, that's cool. Yeah. Just go with the flow. And I remember chatting with one of the guys and I was like, I'm, I'm out. I'm not going to, I'm not going to resign. I don't, this isn't for me. And um, my, my out was like, maybe you could just get someone else to sing thinking they'd be like, no, we can't do it. They're like, yeah, all right, we'll do that. I was like, no, 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 no. I'm just joking. I'm just saying it like, it's so like, just, you know, kind of downplaying it. Like you need me, but I'm like, Oh, so that's exactly what they did. And they kept going. And I was, I was, I was really crushed by that. And I, I didn't expect it and it kind of hurt, but um, I, again, it's, it is what it is. Um, and I, I feel for John because John took over my role and he got thrown into the, to the wolves. Cause I can guarantee the same conversation those guys had with me about writing more songs about Jesus, the more money you're going to make. I'm, can guarantee they had that same question, same conversation with him. And I, I feel for John because he's exactly in the same position I was in five, six years ago. And he's hurting now too. And I, I get it. And I, I really do. I love that guy so much. And that's not fair for him. But at the same time, I think John's going to figure it out. And uh, God has not given up on John, John Steingard either. And um, I, I do, I do care for him deeply. And I, uh, I know he's going to, he's going to turn around because God is that good. And God is so faithful. Um, so I don't know where you want to go from here. We can get to the good side because this story is super depressing. <laughs> it's like, oh man. Sounds great. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Like, obviously the gift of hindsight is a beautiful thing and we would probably do things differently. But as you look back and it's so interesting, like all throughout scripture, God continually tells the Israelites, like, look back what I did for you in Egypt, right? Like look back at what I've, how I've provided for you. And when we do that, oh my gosh, like for me, brings me to my knees every time. It makes me emotional every single time thinking about the things that God has walked me through. So can you do that with us today? Um, yeah. 
Yeah, so this is the best part of my whole life, the best part of my story. And uh, so I was I was getting divorced and that was that was really weird too. Like I I'd never in my life thought I'd be a divorced guy. You know what I mean? Like it was just it was just very bizarre. And again, I couldn't tell my parents. I didn't know how to tell my parents. Like they're the these super righteous people and they're like they're going to be crushed. They're they're going to they are never going to speak to me again. That's literally where I was at. I'm like, they, they're not going to take this well. So I was like, all right, Jason, what I'm going to do is I was living in New York city at this time. And I was like, okay, I'm going to fly home. Told my parents, I was, I was going to come home, tell them everything. So on my, my, I forget it was an hour and a half flight or whatever. I think it's an hour flight. It's not a long flight. I just, sat on that flight and I'm like I had the whole conversation mapped out in my head okay I'm gonna say this my mom's gonna be mad but you know we'll talk it through I'll you know I'll throw in my you know my defensive line I'm like well this is hear me out and it all it all worked perfect sense in my head you know so my parents picked me up from the airport and that's like a two-hour drive so I'm like, okay do I start it here I didn't get the conversation out that whole three three days I was at home I didn't tell them I panicked didn't tell them Flew back to New York. I was like, okay, I'm going to do it again. A few weeks went by. I'm like, hey, I'm coming back home. You guys around? Yeah, let's, you picked me up from the airport. Went home, strike two. Couldn't do it a second time. And I feel like this is so reminiscent of every story in the Bible. You know, everything takes like three goes. It's like, okay, the third time. I'm like, I got back and uh, um, got home. And this time it was, it was, um, the end of January, it was January 20th, or end of January, because this was my, uh, January is like my family's like birthday month, like every one of my siblings, except like two of them have birthdays in January, my mom's birthday's in January, my uncle's birthday's in January, so now that we're older, we just do one giant party in January, so this time we did it for my mom's birthday, but everyone celebrated everyone, you know what I mean, so I was flying home for that regardless, that was the one plan, I was planning to be there, so I'm like, all right, I'm gonna do it, I'm like, this is a party. I'm definitely not going to break this news to them there. And then, so anyways, I didn't obviously do it the third time. Um, I ended up, yeah, not telling them a third time. But at this point, I flew home. I flew back to New York. And I was like, I'm never going to be able to do this. What am, how am I going to tell them that my life is literally over? Like, I, I don't even know what to even do. And this is the most beautiful thing. So I got home. And I'll just throw a little tidbit in here um i lived on west 49th street in right in midtown new york city um in, in hell's kitchen and it was awesome i would never recommend it for people with kids but i was single and just loving life and i had a great group of friends there and uh it was it was awesome you know for the, the phase of life that i was in you know what i mean so i went back home to my empty apartment and i was just like all right, well, I guess I'm just going to not worry about it. I'm going to go home. I'm like, before I go home, I'm going to just drag my suitcase in and see my buddy, Johnny. Johnny was a bartender at uh, the bar that was literally like, it was like a hundred paces from my apartment, which is super dangerous. So I would just walk there and I would just sit there and I would, I would spend a full day there just hanging out and just to the point where they brought in the NHL center ice package just for me because I was their Canadian guy that basically lived there. So I got there, said hi to Johnny. And hey, Johnny, how's it going? Hey, man, 
can I get you a harp? That was always, he'd bring me a drink that I would always get. So, you know, it's bad when he knows what you're going to have. So I just, I just sat there and he brought me a menu and I, I always got like this burger and just, I didn't cook. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'd either eat like a slice of pizza or get a burger from this place, Malloy's. So anyways, he came over and he's like, Jason, he's like, I want to introduce you to, uh, this is our new, our new bartender. Her name's Neve. And today's our first day on the job. I was like, hey, nice to meet you. That was it. Just a pleasant hello. She had a cute accent. That was it. And uh, yeah, I was like, hey, would you say your name is Leave? No, Neve. I'm like, oh, nice to meet you, Neve. And uh, yeah, that was it. And then uh, I was like, oh, that was cool. Um, nice girl. She seemed, she seemed cool. Didn't think much of it. Went back a few more times, you know, within the week or whatever. And she was there every day. And we started chatting. We both shared a, a love for music and whatever. And I just kind of, I told her straight up because I like, not to be weird, but I just, I I kind of been out of the game for a while. You know what I mean? I wasn't like, I didn't think anything. I was just kind of like, yeah, cool. She's cool. Um, so we just, we had some really great, good conversations. You know I mean? Like I said, I, I spent a lot of time there even before she worked there. I just, I got on really well with all, it was an Irish bar. So everyone that worked there was from Ireland. And so just, it was cool. We just hit it off really well. And I was from Canada, they're from Ireland. So we didn't have this American connection. We could always just, you know, talk about how terrible the country was or, you know, whatever was going on in that climate at that time. We're like, oh yeah, thank God we're not American. Hey, yeah, all right. So <laughs> we kind of had that connection and that bond. So um, it just, yeah, we all just seemed to get on really well. Um, and then the, the whole topic came up and she's like, so you're married. I'm like, well, I'm, I'm like, technically I am married. Yeah. But I'm like, I'm, I'm going through a divorce. I'm like, it's, it's, it's pretty complicated, but you know, whatever. Thanks. Thanks for asking. It was just, it was weird. But anyways, long story short, um, we, we, I, I don't, we never really we weren't like officially dating. You know what I mean? We, we just hung out quite a bit, but I had already, I hadn't told my parents this, but I, I had already told myself, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm moving back home. I'm, I really don't know what to do. I like the prodigal son. I had all this money that I had made and I had blown every single cent in New York just to live there itself was way too expensive. So I had spent everything and I had nothing left to my name. So I was like, well, I have to go back home and I don't know what to do. I'm like, I have to find a real job. Like way to go, Jason. There's, there's no plan B in your mind. So what do I even do? So I was like freaking out. Honestly, I really did not know what to even do. So I had started a band at this time, just a little side project called lights go down. And it was by far the, the greatest project I'd ever done. And I'm super proud of it to this day but it was created in in turmoil. And so the songs are super like sad, but really well done. I <laughs> just like, um, but yeah, I, I just kind of, that was kind of my, I put my whole heart and energy into that while I was in New York. And uh, yeah, that was kind of, I put banked everything that I had left on that. And I toured it for like, I did like 15 shows max. You know what I mean? And I was like, hey, I'm Jason. I was in Hawk Nelson. Can we play this festival? I'm like, oh, yeah, come on. Like, we'll give you guys 500 bucks to come play. We're like, oh, but like, you were paying us like 10 grand when I was in Hawk like, Yeah, but your name literally means nothing within Hawk Nelson. I'm like, back to this again. I'm like, okay, well, okay, well, 
all right, fine, we'll do it. We'll just do it. And I'm like, we'll just build it. We'll just build it from the ground up again. It was terrible. It was really, really hard. And I didn't like it. When you live on a tour bus for a few years, living in luxury, going around to driving a truck around, it was terrible. I hated it. <laughs> so I did that. Then I'm like, okay, I'm just going back home. I'm moving back to Peterborough. I told my parents, I'm like, mom, I'm moving back home. They're like, well, is, you know, is she coming with you? Talking about my ex-wife. Cause I still hadn't told him like, ah, uh, no, I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> I was like, ah, I'm like, okay, good. There's, I got my, there's the intro right there, you know? So I got home and I just had my truck full of all my stuff. She's like, my mom's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm back. I'm back. And she's like, uh, and then that's when the water works out. I'm like, I'm getting divorced, mom. She's like, and this is what my parents said. We know, honey. Like, oh. <laughs> we, if you knew this whole time, why couldn't you just, you know, put some feelers that make me open up a bit more? And so I clearly get the keeping things shut down for my parents or my dad. But uh, yeah, I'm, lear- I'm working on that. I'm, I'm way- learning to be a way better communicator with my feelings. But anyways, apparently my parents knew the whole time, but they weren't mad. They totally understood where I was coming from and they supported me. And then I couldn't tell them about Neve because like this girl, we've been kind of talking back and forth for a little bit. And um, she actually, I called her on my drive back. Our last show as lights go down was in Indiana. And uh, which is very weird now that I'm just literally thinking about this now. Hawk Nelson's first show was in Indiana and my very last show was in Indiana. I'm just realizing that right now. That's pretty cool. Anyways, um, that's sweet. Uh, <laughs> she talked to me. She called me. It was her birthday. It was 12th of July. And it was Nee's birthday. So I was like, I'm going to call her. And I'd never called her in my life. You know, I was like, so I called her for the first time. I'm like, hey, happy birthday. This is Jason. Remember we kind of chatted. We were chatting over at Malloy. She's like, yeah. I'm like, of course I know who you are. I'm like, oh, sweet. So we chatted the whole way till I got to the border. And I'm like, hey, I'm crossing the border. This is going to be super expensive. So I, I'm going to go. I have no money. So, <laughs> but anyways that that kind of started our relationship and she's like hey uh i'm jumping ahead here we started dating basically i'm going to summarize this really fast for you guys we started dating um kind of i don't think you call it dating when you're 30 that's just weird but um we kept up and we 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 spent a lot of time together and um we were what do you call that we were exclusive we were exclusive um so anyways that was that and she started coming to visit. I, I got this like little apartment on the lake when I moved here. I was like, uh, and I I really didn't know what to do for a job. I had no, I had no, I had no experience whatsoever in anything. So I, I tried making a resume and I was with my mom and just driving around. My mom doesn't drive. So she uses her kids to drive her places. So I was the only single kid at the time. I'm like, hey, want to mom's like can you drive me to the grocery store or whatever so i'm driving and there's this there's this hardware store i'm like mom i'm gonna stop in here I'm gonna just i think it'd be fun to work at a hardware store i could kind of learn a new hobby or learn a new trade I, I didn't even know what a two by four was you know what i mean like i was that stupid so i walked in and the boss was there his name was john i'm like hey i'm like my name's jason i'm like could i are you hiring he's like well what do you do i'm like here's my resume. And I'd never literally never handed a resume in my life. And he looks at it and I'll never forget this. He kind of had this redneck, like hillbilly, like, like redneck kind of voice, like a tone. He's like, <laughs> so you plan a band, huh? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. He's like, 
interesting. <laughs> and I was like, he's like, Jake, just give me a second. And he went up to his office and I was just kind of sitting there and with the cashier, she was like this 80-year-old lady. And I'm like, how's it going? <laughs> like, uh, he came down, which seemed like an hour later. He's like, so he's like, what he just tell me, he's like, tell me about yourself. And I just like, I I I'm just moved back home like a week ago. I literally have no background experience in anything. I'm willing to learn. Like I'm, I'm friendly. I I can talk to people, whatever you need me to do. Just I'll I'll learn if you can teach me. So thankfully, as I got to know John, his son has, was the same age as me and had played semi-professional hockey his whole life, but had never quite made it to the NHL. And he was at that exact same point in his life. He's like, do I try to go for it? I was like, what do I do, dad? And his dad's like, I don't know, but you're going to have to figure it out. And so he, he took pity on me like he would a son. And he gave me a job and I worked there for like a year. And yeah, so that's how I kind of got made money while I was at home for the first little bit. And uh, it was it was weird, but whatever. It was, especially because I was fresh home. So there was like the first few months people coming in like, I know you, you you're the guy from Hawk Nelson. I was like, this is super humbling because I was like, yeah, how's it going? Like, what kind of paint can I make you? Like, oh, this is super embarrassing. I was embarrassed, but I, I think it was really good for me. Um, I'll tell you a funny story in a minute. But like, anyways, so Neve started coming, flying out to visit from New York and I'd pick her up and I was super like, I was uncomfortable. I didn't know. I didn't know anything. But anyways, as we got more and more serious, I told my parents about her and they were excited to meet her, you know. And this is the this is the beginning of the end or the beginning of the beginning, I guess. Um, this was around Easter, and uh, I I guess familiar with it's pretty big in like the Pentecostal church, but um, Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames. It's mm -hmm. the, the production that the church puts on every every Good Friday, every Easter kind of thing. So this was going on, and uh, my brothers they're married to pastors' kids, and. Uh, at a church in town here so my parents support them once in a while especially for big events like this so my mom's smart enough to not ask me to go to this thing because she knows i'm going to come up with some excuse to get out of it so she asks my new girlfriend neve if we'd like to go to this event and his new girlfriend lady she's not going to say no to me so she said oh of course so neve doesn't have much of a church background you know she was raised in ireland and so her 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 upbringing was she grew up in, in a catholic upbringing um so not super practicing but you know what i mean she knew about god but had a way different understanding of god than i grew up with and i kind of punched out from that whole thing i was kind of coming up with my own you know ideas so anyways we go to this church and classic Jason Dunn form, we were a little bit late. And so everyone's sitting down and all these people are like, the youngest person was probably my parents who were like 60. And then we show up late and I have tattoos and like, I'm walking in and everyone's just kind of like, look at these heathens here. You know what I mean? I could just, I felt the judging eyes just staring us down as we're walking in late. And classic, uh, my classic, parent move they're sitting like in the front or like the second or third row from the very front so we had to walk all the way down this aisle while everyone's sitting there staring at it. and i was just like i felt so 
I just felt judged and just really uncomfortable with the entire thing. And I just remember my parents being like, oh, hi, honey, we're here. But yeah, we see your mom. You're literally in the very front. And they didn't, they didn't move. They just kind of, oh, come on in. So we're climbing over everybody. And like, we're like climbing over. I felt like climbing over like eight legs just to get to the middle seat. Yeah, it, it seemed like an eternity. No pun intended. So anyways, this, uh, this play starts. And I, I've, I am very familiar with this because I grew up in the church. I'm like, this is going to be terrible. She's going to dump me for sure. She's like, this is hellfire and brimstone. Like every, every possible scenario that you think of in a church, they're going to reenact it right now. Guy drinking, driving, gets the crash, goes to hell. She's like, <laughs> I'm, I'm foreseeing the future here. And I'm just like, this is, this is it. She's going to dump me after this. I'm going to drive her to the airport. She's like, hey, this is, it's been real, man. See ya. Anyways. And of course, the, the actors are like local actors from the church. So they're not even like good. And there's like mistakes and they're like tripping over their lines. And it was just, it was bad. It was a bad, bad scene waiting to happen. Anyways, at the very end, the whole thing is over. And then the pastor comes up, who is my brother's father-in-law. He comes up and, and does the whole, you know, the, the, uh, the altar call at the very end. He's like, all right, okay, everyone, you know, if, you've, if you want to make a decision to serve Jesus, uh, to give your heart to Jesus. Um, every, with every head bowed and every eye closed, put, just put your hand up and so I can see it. And, uh, and I want you to come to the front. So out of respect, I just put my head down. I, I do the old, <laughs> you want to take a peek just to see. And, you, know, you, you, know, you see one or two hands and I'm, I'm like, oh yeah, they're staged. They, they have volunteers that put their hand up to get other people to do it. You know, that's <laughs> my head's going. I'm like, yeah. And in that instant, I just felt a little, tap on my like shoulder on my leg and it was neve and she's like hey would you go to the front with me and i sorry i cry every time i hear this story because it just it it just it's one of those things that just uh well it changed it changed my life honestly and in in that instant the any cynicism or any skepticism or anything just vanished and i was like yeah of course i'll go to the front with you and i was like what and so um uh so i just stood up and went to the front with her and like me my mom just starts bawling her eyes out you know and uh <laughs> i think they stood up this time and got out of the way for us thank you mom and dad uh, but anyways we walked we we went to the front and a few other people and i don't know if they're pretending or what it doesn't matter because this was our defining moment and uh, out of respect for her, and I was just going up there for her just to show some support. And I just kind of stood behind her and kind of put my hand on her shoulder. And he's like, and say these after us. And so everything he said, Lord, I'm a sinner. And I'm like, Lord, I'm a sinner. And I was just saying it. But I knew in that moment that wasn't for Neve anymore or just for Neve. It was for me. And of being raised in the church, you see that time after time after time. So you just kind of become numb to it. But for the first time in my life, that was real. And and I like I used the word transformation before. There is an actual literal transformation in my own spirit. And I could feel it. And I knew I knew I was actually a different person. And uh once that was all done, we we ran and we drove, we actually drove to chapters and we went and bought Bibles and devotionals and we just loaded up and uh it was amazing. We dove headfirst right into this. And for, 
I don't want to say the first time in my life, but it really honestly felt like for the first time in his life, I knew what Jesus did for me. And I knew that I had salvation and I knew that my eternity was secure and I didn't have anything to worry about. And anything I had done in the past was forgotten. And I, all I had to look forward to in the head was my future. Mm-hmm. And I have never forgotten that. And uh, it's, it's, it's really cool that I get to share that with you guys because it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's been life-changing for real. And uh, yeah, flash forward, uh, this, that was five years ago. And uh, Neve and I, I will fast forward, Neve and I got married. Um, no, I guess it was probably six years ago. Neve and I got married uh, five years ago. And now we have a four-year-old boy, Ryan, who is, he's the greatest thing ever. And then I got my twin daughters, Maddie and Mila, who uh, they are too. And you can probably hear them all losing it downstairs. But yeah, and that is our family. And God, like I said, God has had his hand and his eye on me and Neve and our kids since the very beginning of time, before we even existed. And uh, I think as, as someone that, you know, as a planner, I always picture like, yeah, God's plan. We got, God has a plan. We just have to follow it. And we just think it's like a smooth shot. That is not how it goes for anybody. There's a lot of twists and turns along the way and God will find us where we're at. And he had to break me down a little bit, I think, to make me who I am today. Cause I couldn't just come in as a straight shooter, just like that and be who I am today to lead a church in worship, because I don't think I'd be the same person I am. You know what I mean? And uh, I, as, as crappy as a life that I had to go through, I, I, as I mentioned before, I do not regret it one bit because I know God has had his hand on my life and I am super thankful that uh, he's been watching out for us. Wow. Yeah. That's a beautiful, beautiful story of transformation. I think is such a great word for that. Yeah. So, so thank you for, for sharing that. Could you maybe just go back and think like, what do you wish you could have said to yourself back in that place, you know, five, six plus years ago when you were kind of walking away from faith, um, maybe to that person and maybe also, you know, kind of thinking of people who are either experiencing that right now or know someone who's experiencing that right now where they're kind of like walking away and wrestling with their faith a lot. Yeah, well, I think, uh, I think first thing, I think it's really important and I think it's okay to have questions. Mm-hmm, you know, yeah. when we are, we are spoon fed faith from the time we're nothing to be growing up with. Like, and, and again, I'm like, I'm even like that with my own kids, you know, like, I think it's super important to have this belief system for sure. But at, at, there is a point you have to make it your own. You can't just live your parents' faith. You can't live your youth pastor's faith. It has to become real for you. And honestly, that's not going to happen until you are out of your parents' wing. When you're, when you're living under your parents' wing and protection, it's, that's all you're going to have is your parents' protection, your parents' insight. And when you're on your own, you're going to be faced with tough decisions. And to have that upbringing is super important. But they're probably, I mean, 90% of you are probably going to have questions at some point. Maybe some of you won't. And that's okay, too. And you are so lucky. But if you are wondering and be like, I don't know if I really, how I really feel about this. I can say this with full guarantee. Um, you don't believe God exists? Just look at me. I can, I am 100% proof that God exists. And real quick, I want to just sort of circle back to my story of working at that hardware store or hardware store. After this whole transformation took place and I met Jesus for real, 
I will never forget this. And this is the greatest thing ever because one of the guys I work with, his name is Tom. And he was like this older guy. He was such a cool guy. And I still, I'm, I'm close with him to this day. He, uh, he was walking, he was in one of the aisles, or I was in one of the aisles. He just kind of looked at me and he's like, hey, he's like, you're one of those Jesus guys, aren't you? And, and I'm not like, I'm not one of those super like spiritual, like, hey, you need to get saved. I am not that person whatsoever. I never have been, and I never will be. But he was just like, you're one of them Jesus guys, aren't you? And I was like, I didn't laugh. I'm like, what makes you say that? He's like, I don't know, man. He's like, I look at the guys out there in the yard. He's like, and you are not them. He's like, you, I've never heard you swear. He's like, you're nice to people. He's like, you treat people with respect. He's like, I just know. He's like, that I can just tell. I'm like, yeah, I am one of those Jesus guys. He's like, yeah. He's like, I gave my heart to Jesus once when I was 10 years old. I'm like, did you? He's like, yeah. He's like, they said if I did, I could get an ice cream cone. So I went up and did that. Uh, like you're awesome tom but it just shows you the power of god and what he can do in in like without even doing anything if that makes sense you know what i mean i guess that kind of goes back to us saying like your path to christ or your journey of faith isn't going to be a straight shot every time and you're going to experience some highs and some lows and that's okay um and i guess I'm thinking of my friends that have strayed from their faith now too. It's like, you're going to become cynical and you're going to become skeptical possibly. And that's okay too. But you need to know that just look around you. God is everywhere. God is in you. And I guess the minute you start to question that, you need to make sure you are, um, what's the word? You're just, you need to stay connected, I guess. And that kind of goes back early. Find people you can stay accountable to because if you don't have that person that's a little higher up than you in, in their, in their walk, it's, it's like you're drowning. You know what I mean? So you need to really have that. Uh, you have to be surrounded with good people in your life. Mm-hmm. I, as you're talking, Jason, I just continue to be reminded. It's like, Oh God, like you are the one who opens eyes. Like you are the one, like he allows us to join us in the things that he does, but like the power of God, I think, and I'm guilty of this too, so often underestimate what he can do and what he can't do. Um, so thank you for sharing this. I, I just am blown away by, yeah, God's goodness in your life and, and how like these full circle moments, right? And obviously you're still kicking around on earth. You're not done yet. Um, and I'm excited to see like how he continues to, yeah, what he continues to do in your life and with your family. Um, as you look back and as you're reflecting, how has God changed your view of suffering, um, faith and what it means to live a new life in Jesus? Yeah. I mean, again, like I said, it's so easy to, it's a lot easier to look back in hindsight. You know what I mean? Where you seen, I'll look back now and I'm like, Oh, that's terrible. I can't believe I made all those stupid choices. Like, why would I do that? But having a clear mindset now and you know what I mean? Like, it's way easier looking back, but at the same time, we're going to go through things. And like I said, my life is far from perfect and I'm going to experience things even this year. I'm sure that I'll look back in 10 years and be like, why did I do it like that? And I think that comes with maturity and, and growing just not even just in your faith, but just as human beings, you know, we are all growing and maturing daily. And uh, that's so important. And I find that so easy now or 
a lot easier now having children of my own. Mm. You're like, I like, what are you doing, man? Why are you, why are you being like that? I'm talking to my kids. You're like, why are you doing that? But like, they're this big and they're growing to become people like me. And so thinking and knowing that someone's always watching. And that was kind of the thing, especially with when you're in a career like Hawk Nelson, where you're kind of always under a microscope where people are always watching, waiting, kind of waiting for you to mess up so they can, aha, and then throw that on you. Try having kids of your own where you want them to be in a perfect environment. So you want to make sure when you're under a microscope, you want to make sure that microscope zoom in real close so you can do everything perfect. And having kids of my own, that's kind of where I'm at now. But that's a good practice, I think, for everybody to, to just envision that someone's always watching you. How are you going to act? You know what I mean? That's in, I, I think being rooted and grounded in your faith goes a long way too. And uh, when you're, when you're a touring, you're not in church on a Sunday. You know what I mean? You're in church every night, but you're there setting up to perform, to do your thing, to do your gig, because that's what you're there to do. But there's no like, there's no growth. And then you're telling kids to, you know, find their faith and, you know, keep, keep, keep going guys. Like, I, I think after a while people can kind of see through that. Cause does this guy really mean that? Cause does he keep going? Is he growing in his faith? Like he just kind of seems like he's just, I don't know. I feel like that's kind of obvious. I feel like people can see through that. I don't know. I could be way wrong, but being on this side of the, of the stage, looking back, I'm like, uh, I don't know if I'd want my kids to be listening to Hawk Nelson. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, mm, mm-hmm. So, I mean, I love that, you know, we kind of went through some of the the harder and darker parts of your story, but it's really cool to see that like God has totally kind of flipped things. So uh, let's just continue to kind of talk about that good stuff right now. Like what, what does life look for you right now? Yeah. So, um, well, this, this week is a whole new thing for us because starting on Monday, all three of our kids are going to preschool. Wow. So right now it's just Ryan in preschool and it's been great. He's been there for gosh, a year and a half or probably two years actually. So he starts school in September. So, um, but I've been working from home for the last last six weeks. So it's really, really tricky to balance dad life and work life. Um, So that's been really, uh, that's kind of been a hurdle we've been kind of dealing with, but um, starting on Monday, all three of our kids are going for the day to their they call it school, but it's, it's daycare really, but um, they're all excited to do that. So um, I'm a worship director at a church here in town. And um, I got that job, thankfully, because I grew up with the pastor. Um, I knew him from the time I was a kid. He was like one of our youth workers growing up and he, uh, he got the youth band going. So he kind of got us started in our band too. So Nathan and I have been very close for many years. But um, when, when I first came back to Christ, uh, we went to there because my brothers and their wives all went to that church and it was a newer church and it was young and it was cool. I'm like, Oh, this, these guys are cool. And I'm like, I want to help out. So I just, I helped out any which way I could. I, I stayed after and I stacked chairs. It was a portable church. So I was like rolling up tables and stacking chairs, anything I could do to, to serve. And just, you know, I knew what I was good at, but I wasn't going to get into that. But like I said, they all knew me and they knew my background. And so I, they ended up asking me if I could help out in, in leading worship and, I was like, yeah, I'll do whatever, you know, I'll, anything I can do to help. So um, that's kind of how I got my my job here. And I'm now the worship director and I've been there for a few years now. So um, that's kind of how I got started here. And I've, yeah, like I said, I've been there. 
and uh, it's it's been an incredible uh, an incredible thing for me. Like, I I didn't know anything about working in a church. I really I thought I did. I I was like I remember when I first started. I'm like, well, this would be good because you always hear about the church tensions and stuff like that. I'm like, I won't have to worry about that because I'm just the music guy. I don't I won't have to deal with any tensions or anything like that. And like three weeks in, people are complaining about the song choices. I'm like, what? I did not see that coming. But it's it's really a, it's cool, and I've I've really grown as a as a leader, and that's something I wasn't good at because like, I'm not good at like sharing my things and how I, you know. But it's it's really really been really good, just not just for my for my life as a worship leader or a worship director, but just in my own life as my family and being able to lead my family well and lead my friends well. It's 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 really really important, and like I said, I'm I'm growing every day and. I have myself surrounded with a great team and uh, I, I honestly, I love, I love going to work every day. So good. The last two questions that we've been asking everyone for this season, as we talk about story, God's goodness and faithfulness throughout our lives. Um, this is the first one. What's the best piece of advice you've been given? Uh, I don't know if this would be advice, but it's something I heard, which I'm taking into this advice. And this was in like, <laughs> actually it was in like a sermon series and it was, comparison kills contentment mm. and i have lived that since i don't know how long since i've heard it that is such an important thing you can have everything and i am living proof of that you can have everything but literally have nothing when you have all the nice things in life you you're it doesn't buy you anything you're always wanting more and more you're always grasping at what other people have and i'm not trying to downplay what we are now but we don't have a lot and I, I live so much happier and so much better with nothing than having everything. Because, I mean, now I have everything. You know, I've got a great family. I've got a great kid. I've got an amazing wife. And uh, we have a roof over our heads. And that's all that matters. And I would trade everything for nothing like that today. You know what I mean? Wow. Yeah. Thanks for that. Um yeah, thank you for sharing your story. And I mean, this season, that's what we've been doing. We've been getting people and, uh, you know, Tim Coles introduced us. We got to hear his story and just people's stories from all different demographics and stages of life from like people in ministry to just some of our friends and stuff like that. Um, and we've kind of had this focus of like looking forward, like, what are you trying to write? Like, what's the story you're trying to tell? Um, so it's another question you've been asking people is what story are you hoping will be told about you years down the road? That's a great question. And uh, where I am in my life now, this is literally all I care about, you know, um, is to make sure I'm a good dad and I'm a good husband and a good man for my family and uh, for my kids to see that and for them to, you know, for Ryan to want to be like his dad when he grows up, you know what I mean? And that's a whole new thing. Like 10 years ago, I, you could have asked me that 10 years ago, I'd be like, my legacy? I'm like, that's the guy from Hawk Nelson. That's all I would have cared about we my wife and I we have this conversation quite a bit I'm like do we even tell our kids about what I used to do I was like I don't know if it even matters you know what I mean like so yeah that's that's it really that's literally it I want him to I want my kids to think I'm an awesome dad and everyone else I don't care what they think because that doesn't matter Final mic drop. Thank you so much for yeah taking the time to share your story and what you just said there. Like your story goes so far beyond what you've done with Hawk Nelson. Um, that God has changed Jason's life, and I just thank you so much for being faithful and sharing your story um, and being a testament to His goodness. So 
Thank you for joining us. You're officially part of the Work Friends crew. Um, yeah, we really appreciate it. <laughs> so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. We have more amazing conversations like this coming up that you won't want to miss. So make sure you subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're using. And you can follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Just Work Friends. Goodbye. How full is your heart? <laughs> so full. What the heck?